Hello and welcome to another MyTunes podcast right here at manxradio.com. Mark Tiley, the nation station, Manx Radio. It's race week across the Isle of Man. and However, I've managed to prize our lead commentator out of the top of the tower to join us this week for my tunes first time out on tt newcomer to the course it's ashley house ashley welcome to my tunes mark thank you very much indeed it's a great pleasure to be on your beautiful island which i assume is always as sunny as it is always. now always yeah. i mean every video ever taken is like this yeah that's what i figured yeah. and uh, and it's a joy to be uh, to be released from my prison cell at the top of the tower as well well it's good to have you down here let's just start with that have you been to the isle of man before for pleasure or work for that matter no i've never been here i've been here for one meeting before race week as a as a sort of preparation but i have never been to the isle of man but this will not be my last time well that is is good to hear and we'll talk a lot about TT obviously but I'm going to go back to when you were teaching a teacher in yes. a secondary school at Cheltenham you're teaching wasn't it yeah I, t- I taught in Cheltenham and I taught in Dorset as well economics yeah and so when when did you realize that lovely as the little ones were it was time to do something else it's a very good question I think I was very happy as a teacher. I've always been somebody who enjoys explaining things. Uh, Anybody who knows me will tell you that I talk too much, uh, which I guess is probably why I'm commentating here on the racing. But in terms of actually leaving teaching, it sort of fell upon me as opposed to me looking for it. Sometimes you've got one eye on something else. Even though you're quite happy doing whatever it is, you're thinking... I wonder, maybe, could I, should I? And it's that, it's sort of just over there. What was your first uh, broadcasting job? My first broadcasting job, well, there was something in between. My, my grandmother was uh, one of the most famous pianists of her generation in the 1940s and 1950s, just in the period after the war. And my grandfather was also a professional musician. My mother uh, is also a phenomenal musician. And before my grandmother, they were all viola players and singers and so on so music has always been my very lifeblood if you like and the only thing that I've ever wanted to do in my life is to sing and so while I was teaching the opportunity came about for me to have a go at singing at a singing career which I tried and although it didn't work out quite how I wanted one night when I was singing at Wembley Stadium or Wembley Arena rather an agent at the back of the audience came up to me afterwards and said have you ever considered television presenting I said, I haven't. He said, do you have a current recording contract? I said, no. He said, okay, let's go. So that was how my broadcasting career started. Wow. Let's go back to Wembley Arena for a minute. Who were you singing with? (laughs) I did a television singing show, Mark, called Fame Academy. I noticed that. So that was the Wembley Arena gig, the Fame Academy. Yeah, we did a tour. We played the 17 biggest arenas in the UK, and uh, we did two nights at Wembley which was one of four things on my bucket list for when I was a child. The only one that I've been able to tick off. The others were to play tennis at Wimbledon. I think that's unlikely now. Uh, Similarly, playing rugby for Wales. To perform on a West End stage, which is not impossible. And then to sing at Wembley. So one of them I've done. Wow. What about playing an instrument? Are there any instruments that those... You've mentioned your family, but what about you? Yeah, I play the trumpet, a bit of guitar, the drums. But singing is my main thing. Well, and well, no, I'm not going to sing right now. That's okay. We've got the trumpet <laughs> next door. We'll, we'll just get the trumpet in for tomorrow. Super. Let's have your first choice of music. And I have to say, um, 
know the song like the back of my hand. Never heard this version before. Yeah, the song I've chosen, first of all, is You'll Never Walk Alone. I've been uh, a Liverpool fan in the football world since the age of three or four, and this song brings tears to my eyes every time I hear it, so apologies if that happens. It has an added meaning for me. I have a four-year-old daughter, and while her mother was pregnant... I sang this song to my unborn child every single day of her pregnancy, every single day of her gestation. Uh, I sang it to the womb, and I sang it at least once every single day. After she was born, I continued to sing it to her once every day. I had read, as we all have, about what music can do to an unborn child and the educational and developmental uh, advantages that it can give a child. And I was keen to find out whether that were true, I didn't choose Beethoven, as most people do. I chose, uh, I chose Liverpool's song. And the extraordinary thing is that to this day, she's four years old now, to this day, when she's inconsolable, when I sing this song, it's the only thing that will calm her down. And it was the same from the day she was born. Amazing. That is, well, I hope she's listening now because we're going to have a fabulous version from... Yeah, this is by Marcus Mumford. So the Jerry and the Pacemakers is the original version, of course. Marcus Mumford recorded a single, which he released in 2020. And I like this version. I've obviously listened to Jerry and the Pacemakers a million times, as will all of your listeners. So I thought we'd put this version on uh, because it's something a little bit different. I also love the words. I've had a lot of tremendous hardship in my life when I've been very, very, very alone and still do. And so the words and the significance of these words really mean something to me.
My guest all this week on MyTunes is Ashley House, television presenter, commentator across all sorts of sports, and right now, this week, our lead commentator on the TT 2023. Lots of sports. I mean, I've got your resume, and there's so many sports you've covered. Which, at the moment, TT, you know, we're hoping that does become your favourite, but which, at the moment, outside of this, have you enjoyed the most? Oh, it's a very, very difficult question. For me, life is about experiences. And so I tend to only take on jobs that I feel are going to enrich my life's experience. Uh, life's rich tapestry and mosaic and all that, those sorts of cliches. And therefore, every new job I do brings something new to me. In, I'm a rugby fan predominantly, rugby and football. I've hosted some very, very big football shows in the UK. Those were fun. Those were fun because of the nature of them and because of the profile of them. I hosted the rugby on Sky Sports. That was great because rugby's my, my, my sport. But in terms of experience, I think I cover the Dakar rally at the moment, which is an unbelievable month at the end of December, beginning of January. It's three and a half weeks. We sleep in tents in the desert. It is boiling hot and freezing cold at nighttime. There's torrential rain and following those guys around the competitors is so eye-opening and it's an experience that so few people will be able to have that I feel very privileged to be involved in that. Talk about a test of machinery and men. I mean, it's, it's going to break everything, isn't it? It literally does break everything. <laughs> just just ask James Hillier, who's uh, who's here at the, at the TT this year again, had a very successful TT career, of course. He did the Dakar this year. He did finish it and he did it under his own steam with no mechanical assistance in what's called original by Motul. And he did a an, inc- an incredible job to finish, but he talks about the Dakar being the biggest test of his career, of his life. I think one of your huge skills is being able to switch from television to audio feeds when you know the person listening to you can't see it and you're able to paint the pictures for them in a totally different way than when you're doing television commentary. And it's a completely different discipline, isn't it? It is. For me, radio is the purest and the best medium. I've always been an avid radio listener. These days I listen to I'm approximating, but conservative estimate, at least 30 or 40 podcasts every week. I have the radio on constantly. And it's always been my dream, actually, since my broadcasting career started to be a presenter on the radio. I've done the TV stuff. I've enjoyed it. It's a very different world and a very different experience. But being a radio presenter is actually what I've always wanted to do. And for people who aren't familiar with the disciplines, normally on a television set, there's so many more people involved talking in your ear, asking you to do that, do this, talk about that, do this. Nine times out of ten on the radio, yes, you may have a producer, but fundamentally it's down to you. Yeah, it is down to you. And specifically from a sports point of view, when I'm commentating on a football match or a rugby game or a tennis match, if I'm silent for... 20 or 30 seconds it's not a problem and in fact it's a, it's it's encouraged because i need to let the pictures breathe and i need to let the viewer at home commentate for themselves to see and understand what's going on if i'm quiet for 20 or 30 seconds on the radio it's a disaster i think something terrible's happened <laughs> yes an awful long time today's choice of music it's a belter talk me through it yeah so this is a song called geronimo and it's by a band called shepherd they are my favourite new-ish band, my favourite band of the last few years. I think every single song that they've produced on their latest album is an absolute belter. And it was very difficult for me to choose which song. There's a song they uh, released called Be More Barrio, which I absolutely adore. That that was my 
song that I played over and over and over again for about three or four months. And there are many, many more. Coming Home is another classic. But this one, Geronimo, I think is probably their best known. And I've chosen it not just because of that, but also because my four-year-old daughter and I sing this when she's in the bath. It's an easy song for her to sing along to. She has an incredible capacity for retaining lyrics and her voice is absolutely beautiful. Hopefully she inherited that from me. And at some point in the future, I will vicariously live out my dream of being a rock star by forming a daddy-daughter duo. So this one is not only my favourite band of the moment, but it's also for my daughter. Can you feel it? Now it's coming back. We can steal it. If we bridge this gap, I can see you through the curtains of the waterfall. When I lost it, yeah, you held my hand, but I tossed it. Didn't understand you were waiting as I dove into the waterfall. So say,
on my tunes this week we are with our lead commentator for tt 2023 ashley house who has done all sorts of things all over the world but he's here commentating on the tt and i want to talk about that today ashley when you start doing your homework for a new gig how much previous commentary and uh, all sorts of bits and pieces do you have to listen to to get the feel of it it very much depends on what the event is for specifically for the tt the answer is hours and hours <laughs> and hours i have listened to at least 20 hours of radio commentary from the tt from the last few years i have watched at least 20 or 30 onboard uh, footage from bikes going right back to the 1990s, 1980s actually, all the way to the big names, our big heroes at the TT, because this is a very specific event. When I first started prepping for commentating on the Isle of Man TT, not only was it daunting because, because of the importance of the events in the world of motorsport and the world of motorbikes, but also because of the importance of the event to you guys here on the island. This is in many ways, what the Isle of Man is famous for, what, what we know the island for. And so this is not only a sporting event, but this is a cultural event, I think, a political event almost here on the island. And so for, for me to have the privilege, the honour, to be able to be included in that, it's very important for me to do my work, my homework, so that I don't let anybody down. I let myself down, of course, but it would be much worse if I were to let you guys down. In terms of the preparation for this, it's a very, very complicated event. Football is dead easy. You take a ball <laughs> and one team tries to kick it this way, the other team tries to kick it the other way. For the Isle of Man TT, for road racing, for the Tourist Trophy, there are so many complications. There are so many intricacies, whether it be the size of the bikes or the categories or the sidecars, which is a whole other thing. I mean, there's so much to get your teeth into, but I love that. And the course alone, I mean, unlike doing something on a short circuit, Mallory Park or something, the course is 37 and a bit miles. So there's little bits and pieces and detail of every twist and turn that the competitors have to have in their head, like a built-in digital map before they even get going. And you've got to see it laid out in front of you and know where they are. Yes, see it laid out in front of me, know where they are. John McGuinness says there are 260 corners over 37 and three-quarter miles. And what I didn't realise until I accepted the job and somebody explained it to me is that I have to know the names of every single one of them. Not only do I have to know the names of every single one of them, maybe not all 260, but at least 20, 30, 40 of them, I need to not get the pronunciation wrong. Because if I were to get the pronunciation wrong of... Crognomona or wherever, I'm going to be in terrible, terrible trouble. So I have, I have written down phonetically, just so I don't uh, upset your listeners, exactly how to say each corner. I have them all laid out. And that, to be honest, is a tremendous work of memory for somebody of my age. <laughs> now, I, I, I feel for you because many moons ago when I was involved full time on the TT, those as you say, never mind the, what's written in front of you. How the hell do you pronounce it? As, uh, and it, it, get it wrong and boom, social media, even then, before it went massive, was on you like a ton of bricks. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't look at social media very much because what I've found in my career is there are very few. I'm lucky, actually, in my recent career, there do seem to be more people willing to post positive things. But in general, you don't get people posting well, that was rather good, wasn't it? But you do get yes. people saying, oh, he got that wrong. And you know, when you're in the bar trackside afterwards and you're having a little relax, 
they'll all be sweet as pie, but they'll, they'll never say it to your face. They'll, they'll go <laughs> back true. up to the keyboard and type away all this nonsense. Exactly right. Now, jazz. Uh, jazz. Night mist blues. You know, the reason I do this, boys and girls, this My Tune Sing, is to be edumacated and to be given the opportunity to explore new music as well as having lovely guests to bring to you. And what Ashley has done, you've opened up a world of Monty Alexander for me. Yeah, I'm a big jazz fan. My musical taste is incredibly broad. My grandmother, as I mentioned on a previous programme yesterday, I think, was uh, a very, very famous concert pianist. What was, what's her name? What's her name? Charlotte Eskenazi. Oh, wow. There we are. Yeah. Her tutor was a lady called Gina Bachauer, who is possibly recognised as the greatest ever female pianist. And so my grandmother instilled into me this love of music. She was a classical pianist, of course, but throughout my life and throughout my musical education, jazz and funk especially became a huge part of me. And for me, this record, and it was a record when I was growing up, is a record that my father brought back from Brazil uh, in the early, in the late mid-1970s. And Monty Alexander is, in my opinion, one of the greatest virtuoso jazz pianists has ever lived. He had a trio, and he performed live at the Montreux Jazz Festival in 1974. He also performed live there last year, actually. But that's by the by. This particular record was a recording from 1974 at the Montreux uh, Jazz Festival, a festival which is on my bucket list to go to. I've never been, and I cannot wait to go one day. And this recording of Night Miss Blues is a piece of music that I could listen to over and over again without stopping for the rest of my life.
This week on MyTunes, my guest is our lead commentator for TT 2023, Ashley House. He's travelled the world. He just recently, when we first started talking, he was in the pouring rain in Italy trying to cover the Giro d'Italia uh, with mud up to your ears or whatever. That must have been tricky. <laughs> it's my, uh, I think it's my sixth or seventh Giro d'Italia. It's always the Giro d'Italia, beautiful sunshine, yes. sunburn and heat. And here on the Isle of Man, I hear, although I don't believe it, it sometimes rains. I've come directly from Italy, where it's been pouring with rain non-stop for 20-odd days, to the Isle of Man, where it's nothing but sunshine. And, and just blissful weather. It, no, really, it's always like this. Um, <laughs> I haven't asked you yet. Do you ride a motorbike yourself? I don't ride a motorbike. I have my license and I have a moped, but I don't ride a motorbike. But my love for motorbikes and my passion for motorsport comes from my uncle and from my grandfather, both of whom collected vintage uh, BMWs. So my uncle, who unfortunately now has MS and isn't able to ride them, but his collection of motorbikes is wonderful. And I remember being, I must have been six or seven, I suppose, and going on the back of his... Uh, at that point, it was the first ever 1,000cc BMW bike that came out. And I remember sitting on the back and just being taken away, taken to a different place. I bet. I bet. This business of commentating, when you look back across the years, any sport, any era, who are your commentator heroes or the, the people that you look back and think they were amazing? Have you got a few in your head? 
I think it's very difficult for somebody of my age, and I dare say your age, Mark, to think very back. kind. You can come back. <laughs> come back. To think back to specific sports without thinking about the voice of those sports. For for our generation, I don't think it's the same anymore. There was a voice of golf, Peter Ellis. There was a voice of motorsport, Murray Walker. There was a voice of football, a voice of tennis. Um, and so for me, all of those guys, really. In terms of broadcasting, Des Lynham was always my broadcasting hero. I was very, very fortunate to spend uh, an afternoon with Des, and he mentored me a little bit for a little bit of time. And he taught me some of the most important lessons that I've tried to use in my broadcasting career. Um, the most important of which, in terms of presenting, not so much commentating, was that I'm in the position where everybody listening or watching wants to be, and so I have to represent them. And so the questions that I ask, the conversations that I start, and the queries that I make have to be the sorts of questions uh, and queries that the audience at home might ask, were they privileged enough to be in my position? So true. There's a Des Lyon moment. I just remember watching it. I was doing a radio show. wasn't here. It must have been before I came over here. And it was the start of a World Cup, and it was a lunchtime-ish kickoff for England in their opening game. And he just looked straight down the camera, and he looked at you, and he said, hey, why aren't you at work? And I thought that was a genius way to start that session. <laughs> Just the <laughs> Yeah, absolutely wonderful broadcast. I don't know if it was the same tournament, but at the end of, I think it was Italia 90, I don't quite remember, he, he read If by Rodyard Kipling. It's one of the most famous pieces of sports mm. broadcasting, and it's the most extraordinary piece of work. And I shamelessly admit that I have stolen it and used it on the Dakar two years ago. We'd put a montage together of, of the highs, the lows, the despair, the excitement. And, and I read if over the top. And it's, yeah, again, it moves me to tears. Well, we've got an awful lot. We have touched on an awful lot of telly and radio and different sports. What's, in, what's coming up for you? Where, well, I mean, you leave here. Where do you go? What's going on next? So I came directly here from the Giro d'Italia, yeah. cycling to uh, cover the Isle of Man TT motorbikes, of course. Then I go directly from here to Slovenia for another cycling race. I've had two months on the road, pretty much. I'm very, very lucky to be in the position that I am, to have the clients that I do and to cover the sports that I do. But I do also have a four-year-old, and I'm away for about 150 days a year, so it's pretty tough. I've been away for at least 50 days of the last 60. So after the tour of Slovenia, I'll be going home for a while. Quite right, too. Final piece of music. Well, I say final. There's some bonus bits in the podcast, which will be released to you dear listener, uh, just after midday today. But let's have this final piece of music for uh, this one. What's it going to be? It's ever so tough to cut, uh, for, to cut oh, yeah. songs down to four or five. What have I chosen for my final one? I've chosen a different musical genre, a musical genre which I absolutely adore. I love songs and music and pieces of work that make me stand up, tap my feet, that make me smile, close my eyes and, and shake my head along with the music. And there's a style of music which has come out of, largely out of Australia actually, and a particular part of America. Bands like Jurassic 5, uh, The Cat Empire, Hilltop Hoods and so on. And it's a style of music that I absolutely, absolutely adore. What I've chosen is a song called Act Your Age by one of the artists of that genre. They're called Bliss and Esso. And the thing I love about it is that you can't not tap your feet to it. I love a little bit of rap involved. There's also a definite funk, a horn section behind it. And I love music that has a horn section. But most of all, the song title is Act Your Age. And that is one thing that I never intend to do. Quite right. Ashley House, thank you for being my guest on my tunes. My great pleasure. Thank you, Mark. 
When I wake in the morning, I smile to myself like I'm thanking God. Shit, no more folks like Jonathan. When are you gonna grow up and get a job? Cause I made that job. No, Steve, that job's kept me hungry and foolish. It's the coolest. I'ma dive in like Kendrick and drink some rum in the pool, bitch. Or beers on the roof, it's the workaholic in the magic sun. Till the esky is empty, shit, what's life if you ain't having fun? So forget your age and those walls, I'm bursting through that maze. On top of the tour bus in a Teen Wolf mass surfing USA, and we got that baggage packed. Happy gas, rush and rush. Yes, I can dig it. So I joke like Tom on a Josh, basking in these toys like a big kid. It's my habitat, I can't leave the trees like an orangutan. I'm a running on air anchor man, and I never land like Bangarang. Shame, I came, I shat in the pool, yeah Better pass that blunt, I'm bout it, bout it You can ask my mum, she'll tell ya I'm psycho, mate, my ideas make your light bulbs break I'll make it look so damn easy When I rock that bar rat mankini Fuck what they say, you don't miss your chance to eat chocolate cake With your hands, you rock a bubble beard While you're taking a bath and wear a simple fart Still makes you laugh like <laughs> And then a big brown shark came Now I'm on the stage, acting up Yelling bombs away while I grab my nuts Still living it, like it's all a movie, still killing shit I'm Paul and Judy and I still think I can move like the Matrix, real shit Shrooming in Vegas, or when I play with my dogs Even right now while I'm making this song So how's about it, let's laugh till this power outage That's all I have to say, up the mall and don't act your age I'm making your age bliss and esso another education you see for me personally you may know it inside out now you're on the podcast dear listener we can ask a bit more of our guest ashley house lead commentator on the tt 2023 and the reason i've got you back because we've got a piece of classical music i want to feature that you want to feature but i want to talk about your musical heritage a little bit more we've touched on it during the week i mean really and truly you've got world-class musicians in your family yeah, very much so. I've mentioned my grandmother, my grandfather as well, was a phenomenal singer uh, and a, a viola player. His mother was uh, was a viola player as well. And so music really is rooted in all of my all of my family, music and languages. My grandmother was one of the most extraordinary human beings that I can I will ever meet. She, we lost her during COVID. She didn't she wasn't killed by COVID actually in terms of actually having the the virus. But she was killed by COVID because age 97, for her whole life, she had taught piano. She spoke seven languages and taught five of them. And so every day, even age 97, she was teaching piano, seeing people every single day. The day COVID and lockdown hit, she didn't see anybody. She didn't see her children. She didn't see her grandchild, her only grandchild, my daughter. She didn't see her pupils. And that killed her. I have absolutely no doubt. She 
she was perfectly healthy and perfectly well beforehand, in as much as a 97-year-old can be. Sure. Um, but COVID was certainly what killed her. And so it's from her that I have my languages and my love of music. And she was a, a phenomenal pianist who's, who was one of the world's greatest Chopin players. The piece of music I've chosen isn't by Chopin, but it is a piece of music that she loved too. Well, just touch on that in a moment. I think looking back at COVID, I mean, A, sport was decimated, just stopped the world, just stopped playing sport. But the isolation that you've mentioned that uh, was so intense, and so, I don't think we were prepared for that in any way at all. No, I think that was that was a definite sign that, as you say, people weren't prepared for and that I don't think we will see the effects of maybe for many years to come. For somebody like myself, it was relatively easy. There were people in my community who had babies, for example, and nobody thought about this. Those babies were not touched or held by another human being other than their parents for the first year of their lives. For the elderly at the other end of the spectrum, like my grandmother, she didn't see anybody. They were isolated in a very different way. There were people in homes, abusive homes, or homes in which they were very unhappy, maybe relationships that would have naturally ended or would have ended in an unnatural way. And those people were isolated, even though they weren't on their own. I think you're absolutely right, Mark. I think the levels of isolation were enormous. We haven't realized them yet, and we won't realize them for a long time. And I think they happened on levels and depths that we may never know. Ashley, it's been wonderful having you here. Thank you again for joining us. Let's take your uh, choice of classical music, and what have we got? Well, one of the things that I love about all kinds of music is the anticipation, the suspense. I'm a big fan of electronic dance music and drum and bass as well. And in techno and in drum and bass, you talk about the drop. And so people wait, there's a build-up, a build-up, a build-up, and then the DJ takes you up onto a plane and then lets you go, and everybody jumps up and down and the whole nightclub bounces. And people talk about it with electronic music. And I started to realise that we have drops in other kinds of music as well. I'm a huge jazz and funk fan, as you heard earlier on mm -hmm. from uh, Monty Alexander. And there are some wonderful moments, which I would call a drop, in that piece of music by Monty Alexander. He brings you up to a climax, and I mean climax, and then he drops you and you go absolutely mad. And you know what? Edward Elgar does exactly the same with Nimrod. There's a moment, and when I close my eyes and listen to this piece of music, which I do, I imagine walking up uh, a green slope maybe here, maybe a Grieber Hill, walking up when the sun is bright and just coming down or just coming up. And when I reach the top of that mountain, the top of that hill, with my arms spread wide and the sun full in my face, that is when Edward Elgar takes me over the edge. And that, although nobody will call it that, is what in drum and bass we call a drop.
majestic, wonderful Nimrod. Thank you, Ashley House, for choosing that for our little podcast extra. Don't forget to join me, Mark Tiley, when you can for the morning show, 9.30 to 12, right here on Manx Radio. Oh, and keep coming back to manxradio.com because there are more podcasts popping up every single day.